Hi, this is George Lynch, Legendary Gear. I know everybody knows me as a waterfowl guru, but those who know me well know that uh, how much and we love turkey hunting, how serious we take turkey hunting. We are blessed to live in some of the big turkey country out here in southern Iowa. We've uh, killed some giants, and I think we've taken notice from people who watch us through social media that uh, we are serious turkey hunters. And uh, being serious turkey hunters, we decided to look in and design what we wanted to be one of the finest turkey call lines out there on the market. We take great pride in our waterfowl. We have the experience behind us. We, we use the best materials, the knowledge of tuning. And uh, so that leads me to introduce our guest today on our first turkey podcast, Jason Powell. And Jason is a two-time Purple Heart. He's a pot calling champion. He's a pot calling designing guru. And uh, Jason, it's, I, we are totally honored to have you part of this podcast today. And uh, just to, for our listeners out there, can you just give us a little history of your background in the, in the not just with turkey, but in your life in general? Hey, George, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys today. Uh, I mean, I grew up on a small farm here in Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, it was a hunting family, and my dad... Uh, built racing engines and all kinds of engines and I grew up working in his shop learning to be a machinist and uh you know I later obviously went into the army and you know deployed to Afghanistan and got beat up a little bit over there but uh you know it led me into uh building turkey calls full-time and ultimately led me to working with you guys on stuff and you know it's been a real pleasure you know obviously Anytime you start things up, it's a struggle off the bat, but, you know, we've got a bright future together, and I think uh, some great things are going to come of it. So well, Jason, that's, me, uh, that's, that's me in a nutshell, George. Let me ask you this. What got you started in designing? I mean, you talked about you have a background of interest in racing cars and engines, and I think you, if I were to hang out with you, you'd be one of those guys that jump in and, he isn't happy unless his hair's on fire doing 100 miles an hour on a dirt track. But uh, what what got you into start designing your own pot calls? Well, you know, all, honestly, it started, uh, you know, really when I was really, really young. Um, I had some dis- a distant relative that lived close to me there here in Pennsylvania. Well, where I grew up in Pennsylvania that built, built calls, turkey calls, and they were... You know, I guess I guess what a lot of people would call vintage or uh, old school type turkey calls, but you know he built a lot of box calls that were incredible and had his own uh, own designs and uh, you know I actually killed my first turkeys with his calls and you know my little brother and I we just started messing around with it. I mean we were, we were metal machinists, so when it came to wood. We weren't, we weren't really good, but, uh, you know, we, we worked at it and grew at it and, you know, life takes its wild twists and turns and we weren't really, really serious about it. I mean, I was in school, high school, you know, we had wood shop and stuff in school and, you know, both of us were messing with turkey calls and, you know, one day I just decided to make my own pot call on a metal lathe in my dad's shop he was mad at me because there there was wood everywhere but (laughs) uh you know that's that's kind of where it started and that call sounded pretty good and you know that was really that i really kind of you know refined that in a way and it it was a good it's a good design call and i mean it's still kind of i don't really make anything like that anymore of you know went a bunch of different directions but you know you just you just keep trying things and you know i i've had some of the greats in the industry tell me you know i really have an ear for a turkey's voice and i try to get that out of every call and honestly i never stop trying things and that's what i love about the pot calls you know, being, you know, having a machinist background and just 
being a really competitive person, you know, from growing up in a very competitive family, you know, with racing and whatnot, uh, I always just tried to make the best of everything. And, you know, I like to win. And really, when I got more serious about building pot calls, it was about being on stage, you know, winning, winning and calling contests. And I've won a few. I mean, I'm not... I mean, it would surprise people, you know, just in, in how many contests I've called in and how well I've done in that limited number of contests. But, you know, it was, it's more about, it was more about making something that was more realistic than anything else out there. And, you know, I surrounded myself with good people and got great feedback from a lot of people and ultimately came up with you know several design calls and they're all they're all real good and you know i just it's an ongoing fight i guess you could say just to get more realism out of a call um you know turkey are just like human your voice and my voice aren't the same there are some obvious characteristics that carry over from person to person just as they do turkey to turkey but there's still some differences in their voice and i might hear a turkey that i really like sometime like man i need to i want to i want to try to mimic that turkey's voice and i'll i'll destroy a lot of wood trying to make it sound like a turkey well you hit it you but hit it that's that's what i love about it you hit a point earlier that I caught, clinged on to real quick because it's one of the analogies of things I like to say in waterfall too. But you know, you you've been told that you have that special ear, you know, to understand and, and know what a turkey is supposed to sound like. And one of the comments I've always made, you know, you the first thing about tuning a call is you got to be able to blow the call. You got to understand what they sound like. And competition, and I've known a lot of the great callers, and they sound awesome. And it doesn't mean that the guys who, you know, who hunt in the field, there's still a little bit of difference between the guy who's a hunter who knows that hen in, in the woods. And what I found, the difference between the guy in the field and the guy on the stage, the guy in the state, I mean, they're both talented. And the guy on the stage are great hunters too. But that guy who's a great hunter, he knows that sequence. He, know, he goes on cadence and he goes on pitch and he goes on timing. And that's something that isn't learned on the stage that is time out in the field and understanding. And I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, do you want to listen to an old naggy boss hen going to be yakking at you? Or are you going to listen to that seductive young hen who's talking sexy? And I think that's what you, it's getting that right pitch and that right tone. And it takes that special ear to get that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, in the in turkey calling world, it's not, it's not really any different. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, just just for instance, the guy that won his seventh Grand National title. I can tell you from hunting with the guy, it's Matt Van Sice. He has killed a pile of turkey, and he has that ear, and he's listened to so many turkey. He's put it together on stage in a way that's more realistic than anybody else, obviously. Um, and it, and that's just that's what you know, we all strive for, but at the same time, the average, average turkey hunter, and I'm sure it's the same in, in waterfowl, can't use everything that is used in a competitive stage, not everything, to just go out and hunt. I mean, most guys want to buy one call and do it all, and when you're designing a turkey call to hunt, that's that's what you're trying to design. I mean, you want to hear, you got to hear the subtle, you know, inter intricacies of that turkey's voice and try to get that out of every uh, type of call that you're trying to reproduce with that turkey call and, and put it in that guy's hand that's going to go out and kill turkey. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we are so proud to, to have you part of this turkey team of legendary gear and your designs on, on the, these friction calls. And um, we sat 
and you and I, we, we had a lot of discussions. We're both a lot alike. We think alike. And we love to kill things. We love hunting. We love calling things in. That isn't always about pulling. Well, yeah, I kind of like to smash the heads. But it's about getting that gobbler to come in. And so when we sat here and started to you know, talk to you about the, our friction line, um, one of the things I think it would be interesting to hear you to, to describe or explain to our listeners is the difference between a custom and a production design call. Well, you know, it's, I guess, I guess it depends on who you talk to for that, the, the ultimate definition of that, because it's, I kind, I kind of think it's diluted by a lot of companies, but, uh, you know, for, I guess our, our legendary gear vision, the, uh, custom calls that we have are only ours. No other company as a call, anything like ours. I mean, this, my, uh, I have spent hours and hours and hours and years, and I can't, I can't tell you how much time working on refining these turkey calls, and they're, they're nobody else's. Um, they are unique to us. You know, I mean, we're partnered, we're a team, we're working on this together. Nobody else has what we have, and they are our custom designs. They're not based off of anything, but what, you know, I've spent years and years listening and working on in the field, in my, you know, hours in the shop to put these calls together. It, it, there's nothing else that you, you can't go to another company and buy what we have. So that is how I envision a custom call like you cannot get it anywhere else there's only one place and that's legendary gear and i'll tell you i agree with that 100 percent. and running calls that's the first thing i you know when i ran your your friction calls i told diane i said these are money these are turkey and what my opinion that the average joe out there i mean you take a good caller i can grab a duck goose call pretty much any duck and goose call how it's turned or tuned and of all the years of blowing it, I know when I feel, I can feel that call. So I know if I got to add more air, more voice inflection, and I can run that call. There's, I mean, for years, and there's a lot of people, a call has to be tuned a certain way. That's the only way they can run it. And the one thing I found with your custom calls, that they take the average guy or a guy who's just a, a novice who's getting started, they're going to sound better. They're going to get more of a true tone where they don't have to work as hard because it's... You know, Diane started advertising, and I told I agree with her. It's all about the sound. And I'll tell you what, when you're out in the woods, you don't think that sound and quality of sound makes a difference, then you haven't hunted a tough gobbler who stuck it to you. I mean, it's, it, it is. It's designing oh, that's, it. That's 100% right, George. Yep. You have, in, um, in our line, one of the calls that we – we're proud to have in the line is your Jason Powell signature, uh, signature call. Can you describe uh, what makes that call, why it was your signature, uh, signature call, and what you liked about it? Well, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, honestly, and, you know, I usually just keep this to myself, but uh, so I'm a Purple Heart recipient, and there are two Purple Heart stripes on that, in that pot. Uh, those, those purple heart stripes represent my purple hearts and the farm that I grew up on in Brookville, Pennsylvania, the most of the timber was cherry. And the first, you know, the first pot calls that I was making, uh, lightning actually blew a tree apart on my dad's property and, you know, it was a fall and I was hauling hauling big chunks of that tree out <laughs> when I was leaving, uh, you know, deer hunting. And, you know, I let it dry and I cut it down and started building my first pot called out of that wood. And I just mixed the purple heart and the cherry because that basically defines my life. You know, where I grew up and, you know, the biggest life-changing moments of my life were, you know, receiving Purple Hearts. And, you know, that's, 
that's a those are another those are other stories for other times so i'll say that but uh you know it really it it changes you in ways that you wouldn't think and you know it just that that call completely defines me you know the way that 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 pot is designed i mean obviously i designed the pot itself but the combination of wood just defines me as a person. And then with that, that call has a green slate calling surface. Uh, I like the little higher pitch you get out of a green slate. I love your green slate, dude. I love the green slate. But slate to me is just my favorite calling surface. Any slate, but I like that high pitch, a little bit more high pitch out of that green slate. And it's, you know, just a perfect combination. It's just everything that I'm about. And, I mean, you can you can change that call, you know, where you run it on the surface. Uh, that, that, that design, that particular pot design, which is, you know, across the board with all legendary gear calls, that call will give you all different tones depending on where you run it how you're holding a striker uh, you know it's just uh, ultimately up to the caller or the hunter to find what they want or what that turkey wants i mean you can get so much out of that call that you may only need one call to find what that turkey wants to hear that day and it just it's just a great turkey call i mean i'm just i'm, I'm proud of it uh you know Proud to have my name on it. It's just uh, well, you hit a great, everything that I want out of a turkey call. You hit a great point on that. That's one of the things I noticed. Like some friction calls, there is one spot it has. It's only one sweet spot that you hit it. Uh, you have a sweet spot on this, but like you said, the consistency throughout this friction call, I can get different uh, sounds or different parts of this call that still sounds like a hen turkey. It's like you said, if I want to be higher pitch or lower, more rasp, it does have a lot of versatility, and it seems to be more user-friendly to me than you know, over a glass. And, then, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing with, uh, you know, pot calls, especially for turkey hunters. It has to be easy to operate. And that's what, when, when, you know, when I sit down, sat down and designed these calls, where we're at with these calls, it was all about ease of operation because even uh, even an extremely advanced person, if it's easier when you're hunting, why why not use it? Uh, but that was that was a key point in designing these calls, just to get great sound with minimal effort, and you know not you don't have to really change much about you as a you know, whether you, you have limited abilities or advanced abilities running a pot call, it it will produce turkey sounds no matter what. I mean, with ba- obvious basic, obviously you have to have basic understanding of how to operate a, you know, a friction call. But, you know, it's, and I like, I, the way I designed that call, the biggest, the biggest thing for me was, you know, the ease of use but at the same time, I wanted something that you could get multiple turkey out of. Uh, I want you know you can call light, you can call hard, you can get nice high fronts, uh, you can get a honky honky middle tone, which you don't hear a lot in turkey, or you can just get that you know nasty raspy uh, old boss hen sound that most people reference. But you can get all of that out of that turkey call and all that that goes with all of legendary gears turkey calls but i have to say that my favorite is my signature call and the cool thing about that so we look at here's the thing you know this is you but you got two purple stripes that represent your active duty and and which we thank you again for your service and then i look at the cherry 
I look at the cherry, which was struck by a, a lightning. I call that an act of God. So <laughs> it was between the war and God put you together with the cherry and the purple. And then the this is just an awesome. I, I said, this this call was meant to be. <laughs> oh, that's true. I mean, it, that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I see a lot of guys do build, you know, they, they have their, their signature series call. And that's basically just a call that they like and, you know, or they've won something with. And I mean, I'm sure there's, there's meaning behind, uh, a lot of their signature calls. I mean, I know for some that that is a hundred percent true, but that, that call is everything about me. It's like where I grew up, you know, what changed my life and what I love to hear in the Turkey woods. And it's just everything about it is me. And that's, that's the cool thing about that call. And, you know, I've, I've built that call for several years now and I've killed, I've killed a bunch of Turkey with it. And I, I just, I just love that call. It sounds good. You know, and that friction call, that design is, is, it's a big part of the, of the equation. But then the striker that you got that, the, and you know, we first started, we had had the two-piece striker, and they're good, and you can use them, but the one-piece striker that you got that we were the laminated striker we're using now, I just love that striker, and that seems to me, you know, it, it fills that equation of making that the complete call. Let's talk about your uh, the white oak ceramic. We lost him. Are you there? Now, Jason, we love your your signature call. Let's talk about the white oak ceramic. Ceramic was one of the things that I kind of like. It's a user friendly. But your ceramic design, I just love. And uh, can we talk about that a little bit? <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely, George. Um, so white oak is, you know, obviously a domestic hardwood. And I really like domestic woods. Uh, um, I love America, so it kind of just goes with it. God bless you. But, uh you know, white oak, white oak makes an incredible turkey call. It's overlooked by a lot of people, but, uh, you know, you can get some really beautiful white oak, which which is what we got for our legendary gear ceramic call. And ceramic is really, really close to a slate in how you run the call. Um, there, there has to be some because of the ceramic surface, there has to be some slight differences to the call just to uh, utilize the ceramic surface. But ultimately, it falls in line with, you know, every other call that we have in the legendary, legendary gear lineup. Um, it's very user-friendly, very easy to maintenance, um, has, produces incredible sound. Uh, I am a fan of higher pitch sounding calls. Um, I just, I, I like that sound. Um, and ceramic gives me exactly what I like, you know, in the way of sound, or we wouldn't be using it to be quite honest. Would you say, um, would you say that I know like in, in waterfowl, we, we do Delrin calls and, I explained to people that Dalrin, you got acrylic and you got wood, sound, and then Dalrin's like that sound in between there. Would you say that ceramic, you got slate on one end, you got glass on the other. Is ceramic that dead and like the sound in between both of them or no? Uh, you know, I guess, I guess you could, you, you could look at it that way. Um, I, what the biggest thing with ceramic is, I think ceramic is a little bit closer to glass, but it runs more like a slate call, and mm -hmm. its maintenance is more like a slate call. So if you're going to buy two legendary gear calls, I would buy a slate and a ceramic if 
you don't like to maintenance your calls a lot uh, in the way of conditioning your your uh, both your calling surface and your striker, and you will get you know that higher higher end of the spectrum, you know closer to glass out of that ceramic, and then you get your slate, you know the, the slate end of the spectrum, I guess, um, with a slate call. Uh, ceramic is more user-friendly than glass, but it's not quite, it's not quite to where glass is in the frequency in, in, uh, from what I understand actually scientifically, but my ears also telling me that glass is still a little higher freak than, uh, ceramic but you definitely get a lot of easier operation out of ceramic and ultimately it's just, just a great call i will say i agree with that uh, even if you wanted the guy looking for two calls um the slate and the ceramic the ceramic it, it like you said it's user friendly the maintenance of it is real close to the slate but i think that you, your notes and everything are a little sharper and higher pitch and I agree with that. It's still a different sound. It's not the same sound. So, you know, the guy looking for two different sound on the calls, but definitely, definitely user friendly. It's very consistent. But let's now we'll talk about the third design, your, the double sided, your double sided glass and, and gray slate. And now this is a gray slate and the design on this. And I won't get in because, you know, a lot more than I do. But what is it that you put behind? I mean, what was your what's your um goal when you're when you're making a two-sided call and you know you because when you're designing this you got one surface it's got to sound one way and then you know you're going to throw another surface on the back so but i think look you know the location and different things that i'm sure there's all kinds of things that you just don't throw that that slate anywhere you want and expect to get a good true tone um i'm sure there's thought and design behind that Oh yeah, yeah. See that that call. It, that call is actually based off of every other call in the lineup, the the overall design. But it has that slate in the back of the call, strategically placed, and the the strategically placed is where I like to run a call. Uh, you see a lot of double-sided calls, and I'm not saying they're wrong or bad, but they put it right in the middle. And for me, for whatever reason, it may just be my uh, you know clubby hands or wrists that don't like to bend or whatever, it's uncomfortable to run because I like to rest the heel of my hand on the side of the pot or you know, the edge of the pot call of it and uh run that surface so it was just extremely uncomfortable running in the center of the call so i just moved that little inch and a quarter slate out to the outer edge where i normally run a call and i probably jumped 20 pots figuring out where I needed to have that to get the sound out of it that I wanted it, wanted out of it. And the, the point of that slate is not really to produce your loud and proud turkey call sounds. It's just there to do the soft talk and the sweet talk and to really seal the deal. I mean, you're, you're meat and potatoes, so to speak, where the real work is done is on that main calling surface but when you need to get that you know extra 10 15 20 yards out of that turkey you can tame it down and just get real soft and quiet on that little slate on the back of that call and it's in a comfortable location to run it runs nice it's easy uh and that's that's really you know what the thought process was that was putting that slate in a more comfortable position for me. Um, most people run a call 
very, very similar to how I run a call. And I thought if it's easier for me, it would be easier for everybody else. But, you know, it was met with some challenges in getting the right sound out of the call, uh, you know, out of the, the little slate and not significantly changing the sound of the main calling surface. So there was there was a lot of thought and work put into the coming up with that overall, you know, that, that design of that double-sided call. And I, I went with that smaller slate simply because somebody that really wants to rip on a call is going to use a lot more than that little inch and a quarter surface. And that little inch and a quarter surface is just there to give you really, really soft yelps and, you know, tree calling, clucks and purrs. And it's not all about getting loud and proud on that slate side. It's it's about taming it down and pulling that long beard, that little tent, you know, that extra 10, 15, 20 yards that you need out of them to shoot them. I think that is a great tip to our listeners out there, Jason. I picked up when you said that earlier about on especially on the two-sided call. And to me, that tip is if you got a gobbler hanging, you said it might be the difference to getting him that extra 10 to 20, maybe 30 yards to finish in. And that's a great tip out there. And by using this, you know, some guys don't know the difference that hey, if you got a gobbler and he's hanging up, if you do the same thing you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you always got. So by being able sometimes right. to change that tone, and we see the same thing with ducks, you know, the geese, it's all that, you know, being able to read and, and call. But that is, the, to me, the benefit of that two-sided call. Now, maybe an advanced caller might be, he can use that and know how to use one and that striker. But it definitely helps a beginner or just a novice caller being able to get two different turkey sounds. And um, that was a great tip. And... Um, one thing I would say that to me with, with friction calls, I know that I've used diaphragms for a long time and a lot of guys, you know, well, I use nothing. And I don't know if it's a, it to me, it's the, the guy who won't use a double read because he thinks all turkey hunters have to have a single read. And I'll tell you what, brother, there's been a lot of ducks killed with a double read. You just got to sound like a duck. And, um, you know, so what I'm trying to say is a lot of guys, well, you're not a turkey hunter because, you know, you're not using, I didn't call him in with a diaphragm. And I would say that for guys who are getting into it and guys, I still, I use a friction call a lot. And to me, I've heard guys who say they use diaphragms and without hurting feelings out there, don't really sound like a hen turkey too much. They sound like one that's been choked at a high pitch and not getting that two note over and, you know, or hitting the right rhythm and pitch. It just seems to me that the friction call Again, for the professional, the novice, the beginner, it is a more user-friendly call day in and day out to achieving that right-hand pitch, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, friction, friction calls have their, um, you know, their own uh, difficulties. But I think for especially somebody just starting out, it's easier to get the mechanics of running a friction call down than it is learning to move air a certain way over a certain call and, um, you know, figuring out what call you need, you know, in the way of a diaphragm. But uh, I I absolutely agree that uh, friction calls are probably the best route for anybody that's not crazy like me and runs a turkey call 10 different times every single day of their life. Um, that guy that just picked a call up the week before season, a friction call is probably where you want to start. Exactly. It's more user friendly and, and, um, easier to get the, what I call, like I said, there's guys who think they blow a diet. What I'm trying to say, they think they got that diaphragm down and I, just like with duck and goose calls, I tell the best best way to get better is record yourself and then be honest and be you know you need to be your worst critic, and uh, that's the only way. That's you get, absolutely right. And then get better from there. But uh, you know, you and I have had conversations that, um, which is the things that I wanted you the part of this team 
is that uh, what makes, you know, we wanted to have calls that make legendary gear different. But in our conversations between, you know, talking about custom calls or a production call, and I notice it because it's the same way in water, but we tune everything. Everything's hand-tuned in what I do. And we one of the, the terminologies you used, and I thought it was a great terminology, is that, uh, you know, it's it's got a, our calls have a tight feel to them. And I know like in a duck and goose call, there's some, if they're not tuned properly and set up right, they just have a buzz to them. Now the average Joe might not know that, but when you're out there and, and the critters who, who hear that tone all the time and that pitch, they know it, they can tell the difference. And that's one of the things I'd like you to elaborate because I do, that's one thing I notice when we're using our friction calls, they got a good consistent, a good, what I call a tight feel, not a loose, not a vibrating loose sound. I believe if I want rasp in there, I'll put the rasp in. I don't want the call just automatically just to have that rasp unless I want to put it in there. If I want it clear, then I'll make it clear. And I think that's one of the things in our conversations. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? And that's, again, a little bit of the difference of custom and maybe that production side. Yeah, I mean... Um, it, it, the production side could, it, you know, get that that tight sound if that's how they, you know, designed the call. But when I come, the, the ideas of these calls come into my head. Like I had a target sound and a target way that I wanted that call to work, and I wanted the calls to be tight. Um, I guess, I guess, without running a lot of turkey calls for somebody that's not really experienced with them, it, it, it's kind of hard for them to understand what I mean by tight, but, uh, uh, they don't, it's like they don't have a lot of, uh, you know, loose rattle, hollow sound to them, which is, which is characteristic of a turkey, I might add, but I like to lean towards that tighter side with a call, um, simply because I think it cuts through the timber, it cuts through the wind, it cuts through, you know, across fields. I think it does everything far better in that sense. But at the same time, for somebody that is inexperienced running a turkey call, you if you push way too hard, you still get turkey sounds. If you don't push hard enough, you still get turkey sounds. So... It makes that call extremely user-friendly and at the same time extremely effective in the woods. And somebody that is inexperienced and still learning and, you know, some people struggle with it and that's fine. You know, there's people like us, George, that are there to help anybody that has questions at all times. We don't really care who they are. That's just, that's just, you know, who we are as hunters. You know, we got to pass this on to other people. But... Uh, the reason the calls are the way they are is because anybody can pick it up and get turkey sounds out of it, and it will be effective in the woods. It was limited, limited learning curve. Absolutely. And part of that learning curve is that uh, let's talk about to you, how important is a striker to you? I you know, we've gone from a two-piece to a one-piece striker this year. To me personally, you know, they both work. I'm really fond of this, our new laminated one-piece striker. How important is a striker to you? Or do you do you look at like 75% is the friction call and only 25% the striker? 60, I mean, how's that, how does it lie to you? Well, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't know if you can really break it down in percentages, uh, I think one's as important as the other. Um, you can completely change that call with a striker. Um, some strikers are not turkey on certain calls. I mean, they, they just do not produce turkey sounds. Um, other other calls, you know, you can use a wide range of strikers, you know, 10 different strikers, 10 different turkey I mean, if you run every striker different, I mean, you could have 50 different turkey with 10 strikers in one pot. I mean, it's just, it. I think one's as important as the other. But one thing that most people don't understand about strikers is the heavier the striker, the harder you push, 
the lighter the striker, the lighter you push. So if you naturally have a light feel with that striker on your pot call, then you want a lighter striker. If you naturally try to shove that striker through the calling surface when you're running it, you want a uh, heavier striker. And that just helps the caller sound better. Because, you know, either, either you know, a light touch or a heavy touch, you can run any striker. But what, what we went with there in that single-piece laminated striker is, um, I would call it a middle-of-the-road weight for a striker. And it works with whoever's running it on whatever call you're running it on. It's really a great striker. Um, it's That striker has like uh, what I would call like a long tapered flare tip. So it's just not a straight peg. And I like to hold a striker right where that the peg in that striker is at its smallest diameter. Mm -hmm. So when you pick that striker up, you are holding it as long as you feel that where its smallest diameter is you're holding it in the same spot every time. That striker helps you become more consistent as a turkey caller. You know um, what? And that's so important. It's balanced great. It's weighted great. That is so important. That even a guy like myself who's been turkey hunting a long time, I had to learn from you guys, you know, from you down, that I wasn't really holding the striker right. And what I thought, and I when I was show, you know, how you guys hold the striker, I learned I was more consistent in getting my sounds, but I was really more consistent on my yelps by getting that purr and then you know back and forth. Um, the the uh, I would probably say the one of the misconceptions or the most uneducated um, about there with the average turkey hunter, and I'm saying this is for the guy who's doing it for a long time, is the not too many people know the importance of conditioning. And how much, and, it, and, it's, and it's to me is more important with the glass, you know, getting the glass started. And then once you get that condition going, you know, it's, it's getting it to where it has that nice, good grab and pull to it. But I don't think the average guy out there who runs it, maybe I'm wrong, that there's a lot of information out there um, on conditioning pot calls. What's your feeling and views on that? Well, that's, you know, one thing with friction calls, the, probably the most important thing with friction calls is maintenance. Uh, some require more, some require less. And a lot of people will be like, oh, I, you know, I sanded up the surface of my pot, but I still slip all over. They didn't condition their striker. Um, a lot of calling surfaces you don't need to condition as much slate ceramic um there's some others out there but keep your striker condition and you will maintain grip all the time and you know a, a lot of people really overlook conditioning when they're first starting out they're like well you know this this call sounds like crap i don't know what i'm doing well you know, condition your call, and it's a complete different animal. I agree I mean, 100%. It, it, it literally sounds like an animal once you condition the call. What, uh, on, on the strikers, I mean, pretty much we, we there's stones and there's uh, the green um, Scotch-Brite we use on the slate and stuff like that, but on a striker, do you use a fine grit sandpaper, or what do you recommend for that? Because you really don't want to do well, something too aggressive and change that contour, do you? No, and, you know, some people, depending on who it is, they might want more more of a contour or they want might want more of a flatter uh, tip on that striker. And really, those people are people that have done it a really long time and they, they've, you know, know what they like. So they'll, they'll get it there. But... The way it is, it's pretty, the way that striker is, that Legendary Gear has, that single piece laminated striker, it is 
pretty much a middle of the road kind of contour and anybody can run it. So you want to maintain that, but I like to keep a striker tip clean. So I will use Scotch Bright most of the time. However, when you look at the tip of that striker, you say you just clean it up with Scotch Bright and you can see that it is shined off and just it looks slick. It, it has think a glazing over. Sandpaper. Yeah, it has a glazing. Yeah, they're glazed over. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it too. Um, but some some of the surfaces you're running on, like especially ceramic, you don't really pick up any of the material. You just literally grind the tip of that striker smooth, and it'll be shiny a lot of times. Um, but that's when you would want to take a fine grit sandpaper and maintain that contour, as you said, and clean that glazing off to where you have a fresh surface on the tip of that striker again. And oftentimes, if you're struggling with slipping on any surface and you haven't conditioned your striker, conditioning your striker will bring that call back to life and be way more consistent. And glass, glass, it, you know, requires a lot more maintenance than any other calling surface that we have in the lineup. But, you know, keeping your striker conditioned helps a lot on all surfaces at all times. You'll get, you'll get, I don't want to say you want to, you'll get more life out of uh, a glass surface between conditioning if you keep that striker tip clean, but you'll maintain grip longer as long as you keep that striker conditioned. What, what I found about, like, again, we were talking about between the, the, the striker and your calls, it seems it's just, to me, there's been some friction calls that I've used in the same way with diaphragms. We, you, you got what you like, and you made a comment down there that you could have five guys make five diaphragms, and each, even though you're trying to use the same stretch and, and everything else, it's they still come out can come out different. Yeah, just because that's the, the difference between five guys. I agree with that. We find that it's the same way too in an adult call and goose call. And that's why we always try to, to get that consistency. And when you have a consistency, um, I just think it's, it's you're going to have more people are going to be able to get more uniform, more uh, realistic sounds out there. Do you happen to have one, a friction call by you? I don't. I uh, am actually out of my office right now. <laughs> All my calls are in my office. Well, we're going to do another... Um, we're going to do another podcast. I would love, you know, I had the pleasure of being down there in, in WTF with you, and we uh, we rented a house. Diane got a house where we stayed at, and you and I stayed up to the wee hours. Uh, you were getting ready for your, your contest that day, and, you know, you had all the, the, the sounds and different. We went through your routine, and it was what a treat for me to sit because the, the sound that you could get out of those calls was just, it was amazing, and it's if no one ever had the, you know, didn't have the opportunity to sit and listen to you do a fly down, it's amazing. And it's amazing in person. And it sounds great on video. But I would like to get you uh, some on the podcast because one of the things, the misconception that people have, and because I have a different way when I show up, if I have a gobbler roosted at night and I want to go in in the morning, if I know I got one roosted at night, I go in, my setup and how I'm going to call to him is is totally different. And then if I were to walk into the woods and after daylight and, and I strike a gobbler, how I'm going to approach that gobbler and how I sound is going to be different. And it would be kind of cool for our listeners. I know they would love to listen, you know, how you, when you're sitting, say you're sitting there in the morning and you know you got a gobbler roosted 100 yards from you, you know, what do you start with? What is it? Is it just light purrs and then the soft tree yelps? And then, because, dude, when you do that flight on cackle, I, I can't imagine there isn't gobblers within two miles of you gobbling when that thing goes off. I wish I wish I hit that flight on cackle in the friction finals like I hit 
in prelims and every single time when I was practicing the night before at the house because uh, I missed I missed it a little bit in finals and it got me. I mean, they got me on it, but uh, but dude, uh, you still ended you know, up eighth in the nation. You're still eighth in the world at, out of the best callers in the world. And when you know that you didn't hit your note, I'm saying that being in the top ten is still pretty uh, admirable. And I would uh, something to be proud of. You put a lot of effort. You put a lot of time. I mean, you put your life into this. And Jason, we appreciate you so much, and I appreciate your time that you spent with us. And we will do another podcast for our listeners because I I can tell you right now, everybody's wanting to listen how a pro does it and and give different scenarios of the different sounds. And every every situation is different. I don't know know if I call myself a pro yet. I mean, (laughs) I think maybe I'll I'll wait until I can, uh, you know, win that friction division down at Grand Nationals. Uh, Hopefully that comes someday, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I am not at all discouraged in, uh, you know, how I did down there. Uh, real proud of it. You know, my, you know, my wife knows what I put into it and that meant a lot to her to see me do what I did down there. And, you know, my little brother and I, we really started this together when we got into that. And, you know, life thing, life throws things at you and things change and he had to get away from it for a little bit. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, you know, I had a real heart, real heart to heart with my brother after, after I made the friction finals there. Cause that's, you know, that's all, that's, that's the hardest country, or hardest calling contest in the country. And, you know, I, I got where I wanted and, you know, I, I didn't call as good as I know I can in, uh, friction finals. And I guess I'm just going to have to go back in 2023 and, uh, not not make the mistakes I did in 2022, and maybe maybe the results will be ultimately what what we want out of it. There you go. Um, I agree with that. You know what? It, 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 you keep at it. You got the talent. You got the desire. I appreciate you spending time. We will get you on another podcast and pick your brain on on, on hunting and and running your fiction calls and. The different sounds you make and i just appreciate your service to the country I appreciate you being with diane and i and and helping legendary gear you're definitely a professional your knowledge is is definitely you know way out there i mean dude you you've made so many calls it's like me i've tuned and made so many calls that you forgot you know you can do it in your sleep and um like i said we appreciate you a bunch and um all you listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this and you get a chance to check out our product on legendarygearusa.com and uh, check us out on YouTube. Check us out. Uh, the podcast is on what, Diane? Podcast is on nine different servers, but it's free on Google Podcasts. Okay, we like free. so We like free. <laughs> but hey, we appreciate you, Jason. Take care. And everybody, always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide.